You're now listening to Caffeine and Sarcasm with your host, Logan Campbell. So buckle up and brew a cup because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Caffeine and Sarcasm. My name is Logan Campbell, and I am the host of the show. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you very much for checking us out. Um, go back and listen to the older episodes. I know that I noticed recently that my uh, episode one, uh, which is Squat Racks and Lady Attacks, um, that was all the way back in December, um, excuse me, October of last year. That one's my most listened to episode. Um, probably because people are finding my stuff and then going back and listening to the beginning. Thank you for doing that. Um, I know that a lot of folks will jump into a podcast and not know the background of things that are going on or whatever. So I appreciate everybody running back to the very beginning and listening to my humble beginnings and uh, <laughs> you know the old school stuff. Um, it was uh, I was struggling. I was trying to figure out how to do it, and I'm, I, f- I feel like I'm really kind of picking up some speed here. A lot of people have said that my production value has gone up. Uh, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make this a show that everybody wants to look forward to weekly. That's my goal. Uh, So that being said, um, if you have been enjoying the show, please, please, please run over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star review and leave a written written review. I know this probably gets super annoying when I ask people to do it, but you know what? I'm trying to make this show blow up, and I can only do that through you guys. You are the ones who help me do that. So, you know, that being said, uh, please run over there and do that. And thank you for for those that have. I know a lot of people have done it, and I appreciate it. Um, doesn't take that much time, but run over there and do that. Um, let's see here. It's March 1st. Um, I'm starting 75 hard, which if you're familiar with Andy Frazella, the uh, first form owner, uh, he has this program called 75 hard. That's 75 days. Um, that's all about uh, discipline and uh, mental toughness. If I can bring up the, the app here, I'll tell you exactly what it is. The rules for each day, um, it is uh, two workouts, 45 minutes each. One is required to be outdoors, um, You know, obviously weather dependent. Um, you take a progress picture every day. Um, let's see here, 10 pages of reading, and the reading can be um, cannot be fiction. It has to be nonfiction. So, you know, mindset books, success books, that sort of stuff um, is all good, or even history. Uh, But it's preferred that you read something that's going to build you up. Uh, Drink one gallon of water a day. Follow a specific diet. There's not one on here, but you need to, you know, track your your food, that sort of thing. And uh, no cheat meals or alcohol. That's it. 75 days in a row. Um, If you miss a day, if you screw up, you start over. Start over on day one. So I thought, what better to to start March off, to start spring off with something great. I got to get myself in this mindset. I got to get myself back into being disciplined and 75 hard is the tool to do it. Between that and I I received a book from a friend of mine uh, called Disciplines of a Godly Man. Um, And that friend is Ryan Huff. I was recently on his podcast, uh, The Qualified. And, um, you know, I've been going through some stuff the last month or so, uh, really struggling mentally uh, with the job, with, with some some personal stuff. And I lacked discipline. I lacked willpower. I let my diet go. Um, I'm back up to 219 pounds, which is really frustrating because I wanted to be a lot leaner now than, uh, than I am, um, at the beginning of the year. So, 
Um, I'm starting at 75 hard. I'm going to get down to that 190 pounds that I want. I haven't been under 200 pounds for a long time. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm fat, but I would like to see what I'd look like at 190 pounds. So um, I'm starting that, and I hope that you'll uh, come along that journey with me. Um, you know, let, let me know. Hit me up on, on Instagram, at uh, OfficerCampbell182, or, uh, or hit me up on, on TikTok, Caffeine and Sarcasm. It's on there. Um, or send me an email. Uh, OFC Campbell 182 at outlook.com. Send me an email. Let me, uh, let me know how you're doing. Let me know what you're doing. Um, I like talking to people. I, I went live today on my Instagram and just, uh, had a little chat about discipline and, and, uh, self-worth, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, yeah. Um, today, this week, I suppose is, is a little odd. Um, I'm a little nostalgic uh, I, so to speak, I, I guess I'm not sure that nostalgic is the word. Um, this week is the, the three year anniversary of, um, my friend Jake Pickett, who was murdered on the job. Um, and, uh, it, he was, he was shot in the head on uh, March 2nd. Um, and, and subsequently died of his injuries. Um, after he was taken off life support on the 5th, his official end of watch day is, is March 5th. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting week. Uh, you know, solemn, I guess is the word. I, I don't know. Um, Jake was such a good dude. He was, uh, he was a friend to everyone that he knew and, you know, I'll never forget his laugh and, uh, <laughs> listening to, to old school hip hop riding around in the, in the squad with him. Um, he was a delight to know. And, uh, Today on on the show on this episode I have um, Jen Pickett, which is his widow. She uh, she so graciously agreed to to come on the podcast and 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 just talk talk about Jake, uh, talk about how she's dealt with you know being left behind. And, uh, you know, it's the, the truths in law enforcement that some folks just don't want to admit, um, that they don't want to see, that the public doesn't want to see. And uh, the things that, uh, you know, sometimes we might have to face our own mortality. And, you know, us as, as law enforcement officers have to look at it every day. You know, it's, it's not saying that we're looking down the barrel of a gun every day, but, I mean, we kind of are. You know, we, we, we are in a world right now that almost glorifies the killing of, of police officers, it seems. I don't think that's the majority, but it sure is loud. It sure as hell is loud when people are saying stuff like that. You know, they 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 make such a big issue of, of stuff on social media, and sometimes you just got to shut it out and, and know that you're doing the job for for the good folks you're doing it for the bad folks too because you gotta you gotta do something you gotta deal with them you know the ones that we that we put away people always say you know when when folks say thank you for your service i say i do it for you and that's that's the honest truth you know i i I had a message on on or a, a comment on my tiktok about uh I, I've made some video that's me talking about a crash that I'd went to, and it's it's a joke video. This gal was saying, uh, you know, 
does your radio stop playing when you get in a crash or, you know, are you just like laying out in the, you know, in the vehicle without your seatbelt and blah, blah, blah with, you know, Cardi B or whatever playing in the background. And, and I said, you know, it's, that's a funny anecdote because it is, it was very comical. And then I went into like the honest truth of sometimes the radio still plays. And I went into a, a, a memory of mine that I have of a, a female that was partially ejected that I'm fairly certain um, died in the song More Than a Feeling by Boston was playing. So I forever relate that song with that incident. Well, in the beginning of my video, I'm kind of smiling, you know, just to show a, a personality, you know. And somebody commented on there, they took my quote, uh, I've worked a lot of crashes unfortunately some of them fatal and then they said and then the cop smiles and it's like what do you want us to do you know you show up smiling and people are or you know you show up and you're not smiling well that cop was mean okay you show up smiling why is that cop smiling he shouldn't be smiling this is a serious matter you get <laughs> you know you're damned if we do damned if we don't we're in a very frustrating time right now but I attribute a lot of that to social media just being social media because everybody has a voice now. Every single person. Nobody, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You can sign up for a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google+, whatever, and, and talk shit to anybody or say anything to anyone. So it's, uh, we live in interesting times. Um, but the thing, the, thing, the one constant, uh, the one thing that remains certain for me is that I do my job. And... And my goal is to, to make it home every day. My goal is to, to let everybody make it home every day. Preservation of life is job one. That's it. End of story. So now that I've gone on my rant here, um, <laughs> let's jump into the, the episode here with, with Jen. As I was saying before, uh, she was so gracious to come on and, and do this. And, and I'm so grateful that she did. Uh, we, we cover a lot of topics. Um, you know, in, in relation to, to Jake and, and law enforcement and, and, and being a wife of, of a law enforcement officer who was, who was killed in the line of duty. Um, we do, we, we cover some serious topics here. So, um, I, I appreciate everybody who would stick around through the whole episode. I'm not cutting this one up. I'm not, I'm not even running ads on it because this isn't for me. This is for Jake. This is for for all those that have lost their lives in the line of duty. Yeah. Yeah, this is for them. So, thank you for listening. And uh, here's my interview with Jen Pickett. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Caffeine and Sarcasm. Today with me on the show is I, I'm I, I don't I don't even know how to put it to words. I'm I'm honored that she was willing to come on and and tell this story and and have this conversation with me. Uh, please welcome Jen Pickett from I, I from Boone County where I used to work. Uh, I know you guys have have listened to me talk about Jake. Uh, I've said him before on my my Instagram on here on my podcast. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, 
like I said uh, before we before we started recording, this is I'm I'm just floored that you wanted to come on and and I I was hesitant at reaching out just because I know it's such a sensitive subject, but um, with you know all the things that you're doing with your blog and and the organization that you guys have created, I was like, you know what, let's get the word out. Let's I want to have this conversation and uh, let people know who Jake was, uh, what happened, and uh, you know. That sort of thing, I guess. I appreciate that. Yes, I like to keep the focus on how he lived and uh, less on how he died. Absolutely. Um, well, Jen, it, it, Jen, is that how you want me to? Yes. Address please. you. If that work. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, one of the first memories that I have of Jake um, when he first got hired. You know, he got hired with uh, another guy, Jimmy. I don't think he's working there anymore, honestly. Um, but I was like, I was like, who's this great big doofus? Like, <laughs> you know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, had that uh, that laugh that, you know, it, it just yes. was very contagious and very uh, unique. And they were like, hey, you're, you know, you're going to train him a little while. I'm like, I'm like, oh, great. This is, this is going to be interesting because, you know, it's, it's hard to break habits from guys from older departments or other departments. Mm-hmm. And he'd worked for Marion County and then in uh, Tipton County, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. And so we're cruising around one night and I, I you know, I'm like, I don't know how, how this guy's going to be. So we run into a, a subdivision where we'd been getting a lot of vehicle break-ins and everything. So I threw on some, some music and he was like, he's like, Hey, you got any like nineties hip hop, like Dr. Dre or something. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. So we, we throw that in there. We roll the window that windows down at like 2 AM. We're bumping through this, this neighborhood, like, like reciting these lyrics to you know old Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre songs. It was, I was like, this guy's going to be okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That was yeah. what he listened to when he was working. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was something else. I, I you know, we were, uh, we were so grateful for you to share him with us. And, uh, you know, when, when you guys first came, we were, you know, you never know what to expect of people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was definitely a blessing for you guys to show up. Well, thank you. We, uh, we, he loved Boone County. Absolutely loved it here. Um, and loved the opportunities that he had, especially to become a canine. And I love it here. And, you know, even after losing him, we're still, we're still here. And I, I couldn't imagine leaving. The community is amazing. So, yeah. So when you, you guys got together before he was in law enforcement, right? Yes. I met Jake when I was 17. Oh, and, wow. <clears throat> yes. So I was 17 and he was 18. And, um, so we had been together 16 years and married almost 11 when he passed. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. We're, yes. My wife and I are coming up on 10, 10 years this year. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's a milestone, I guess. Yes. <laughs> um, so what, what did you think of? him getting into law enforcement was it something that he always talked about doing or um you know it it wasn't something that he talked about doing initially um he was actually in the car business and um when I first met him he was working at UPS 
and um, in a supervisor role there. And um, then he started working at a car dealership and worked in the back for a while and then moved into car sales and car sales just really wasn't his thing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he had a buddy that um, worked in Marion County and had started talking to him about getting into it. And so he really started working hard to try and get in, move into law enforcement. And he worked for Marion County in the jail uh, for quite a while. And that was an interesting experience. Um, but what he really wanted was he wanted to be on the road. Yeah. And um, as you know, Marion County doesn't work the road. They work the jails. And I always hated TV. going to that jail. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we do transports down there and it was like, you know, there was the, the big jail and then there was the, the smaller one. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know which one he worked at, but it was always just horrible to take inmates down there just because they were, the, the you know the guys that work for Marion County you know shout out to them you know I, I love them to death yes. but you, they weren't always the nicest when we would bring people <laughs> in there I'll just say that yes um, yeah so he he worked at Marion County and uh, he wanted to move on to the road and um, and honestly when he when he first started talking about getting into law enforcement I I 100% supported it um, I told him that you know, the type of person he was, um, I said, you were made for this. And, um, and we even had conversations where I told him, I said, you know, you are the type of person where if everybody's running away from danger, you're the one running in. And um, I said, and I realized that if you go into law enforcement, it could take you from me. Um, but I truly believe in my heart that that is who you were made to be. And that is who you are as a person is to serve and help. And so I, I never, I never was against it. Um, I was always in full support. And even when he wanted to move on to the road, um, he started reserving for Hendricks County um, just to get some road experience. And while he was reserving for Hendricks County, he, um, that was when he got his opportunity in Tipton and we moved up to Tipton County for a couple years. And, um, and we loved Tipton. It was wonderful. It's a great town. Um, it was just, I couldn't get <clears throat> a local teaching job up there. And I was commuting about an hour and 15 minutes, one direction. Oh, So, um, <laughs> It, it started to wear on us, and um, and that was when he got his opportunity to work for Boone County, and it was it was just better for us as a family. So that's where we ended okay. up. Yeah, it was. You know, it was uh, Boone County was a great place. It uh, you know it was, it was my home county, my hometown. I loved it there. Um, obviously, we had. Uh, our our issue is the, one of the reasons why we we left and uh not with the department in general um i love everybody there still you know we we still i'm still talking with Fauci and and birch and yes. everybody down there um you know if you guys are listening shout out how are you um <laughs> I, I know you guys are listening because i know you listen which is awesome uh yeah we you know it's funny you say I suppose it's not funny. I need to get out of the habit of saying that. I say that all the time. 
Um, people people <laughs> pointed that out. They're like, dude, you say it's funny every time you respond to something. I'm like, all right, sorry, I'll, I'll try and rephrase it. You had mentioned you get it uh, when you're talking to Jake. You were saying, you know, you you getting into this might take you from me. Um, was that something that you ever really thought of? Was that, or was it just sort of like in the back of your mind kind of thing? Uh, I think as a police wife, I, at least I feel like as a police wife, it's always in the back of your mind, but it's not something you think of because you can't, you can't think of it. You would live every day in fear and you have to just continue on and, you know, live as business as usual. So um, while I knew that, um, I no, I never imagined it. Would, I never imagined that I would lose him. And um, I mean, of course, there were reminders when other officers fell. Um, you know, it kind of would bring that up and bring it out of the back of your mind of really hitting home and closer. And um, right. but I think just like a lot of things in life, um, you just kind of have that feeling of, well, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Were, and, you, were you guys up north when Carl Koontz was murdered from uh, Howard County? Or were you uh, at Boone County? No, we were. Um, you were up north. Yeah, we were in Tipton. Um, and actually, um, interestingly, well, we were. he was working for Tipton when Jake Calvin um, was killed in the line of duty in a car accident and he worked for Tipton County. And so okay. that was my first, that was my first line of duty funeral that I attended. Um, and that, and then, um, when Carl Coons fell, um, I specifically remember a conversation with Jake where he was going to go to the funeral and I said, I'm going with you. And he said, no, you're not. He said, your life is not going to be line of duty funerals. He said, you're not going to this funeral. And wow. um, I mean, like he, he would, he wouldn't let me go, but I, I was compelled. I wanted to go and, um, but he wouldn't let me go. And it was like, it's kind of ironic now. Um, yeah. He, he said, go for nope. here. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Jake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were up there for that too. And, um, I know Cassie and she's a great person and, and we yeah, talk she often. Is. yeah I, I was with the, uh, the Indiana Sheriff's Association honor guard team and we, um, were a part of that funeral. You know, I was uh, very grateful to, to stand for that. And, uh, you know, I stood, uh, watch over him for a, a couple of tours, which was cool. Um, I, I don't think. I, I've, it was, it was sort of my first one that, that I, when I was working and I had been a part of, so it was, you know, it's always going to stick in my mind. Um, two portions of it, when we were shutting down for the day, all of the honor guard people, we come out and we do a final salute and, mm -hmm. you know, we, and, uh, she had, uh, she was standing there next to Carl and, um, she had their child there and, the child was reaching into the casket mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't even think they were a year old. No, and, uh, was less than a year. Yeah. And it broke my heart just to have to stand there and watch 
know, this child see their daddy mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not understand, not, not be able to, to interact. And then uh, when we got doing the procession was when I, you know, I turned into like a teenage girl, just tears were just falling out of my face just because of the, you know, the outpouring of support that you see from the community. Mm-hmm. It was just wild. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, mm-hmm. especially to be a part of it was just like out of this world. Um, so you guys moved down to Boone County and I know that Jake loved animals. Uh, he uh, <laughs> would always just come home with dogs. Apparently that was, <laughs> he tried to, he tried to blame it more on me. And I would like to remind him, I'd be like, no, that dog was the one you brought home. No, that <laughs> dog was the one you brought home. That dog was the one you brought home. Um, yeah but it was definitely a passion of both of ours. And uh, <clears throat> there was no surprise if one of us was bringing a dog home or pull, <laughs> pulling over to read a dog's tags or, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was commonplace. Um, and actually we had, when he became a canine, we had five personal dogs already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and three cats um that were all rescues so or foster failures if you will yeah. <laughs> <Foster failures. laughs> that's funny um so when he says hey i'm 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 gonna be canine now and you know we're gonna have another dog did that uh i don't know necessarily concern you but it did it sort of give you a little bit more relief that he's gonna have somebody with him all the time at work Honestly, it did. Um, it did. It, it made me feel like he had an extra level of protection. And um, I, yeah, he had someone there that, that Brick was trained to protect him. And, you know, with all the equipment of being able to automatically release the door and things like that. Um, and they were such a bonded pair. Um, it was incredible. And it did, um, it made me feel better knowing that he had a kind of a protector with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I said it again. It's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying to break that habit. We as officers, um, you know, I, I know in my experience with him and with other canines, we're always, we always feel empowered when there's a canine there. Cause it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that one extra step. There's that one extra thing that, you know, the other guys might have guns and and stuff like that, but it's like, but we got the land shark with us and (laughs) people don't like to get bit by dogs. It's just, you know, you can have the the world's strongest man up there, but you let a Belgian Mal latch on his arm and he's going to be screaming like a little girl. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so, (laughs) yeah, you know, even just the barking of a dog is, is enough for people to go, all right, I'll come out. I'll come out. You know, it's right. Every time. So I, 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 I assumed that, that you had felt the same way, sort of just, you know, like, all right, you boys have fun. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So Brick, uh, Brick is the, the canine that uh, Jake was blessed with. Uh, He was an interesting dog because even before he hit the street, he already had a grill. It seemed like, you know, that because his canines (laughs) kept falling out. So they kept replacing them with these metal, you know, titanium ones. 
So we were always like, man, we got this badass fucking dog that's going to be just like awesome. And, <laughs> you know, it looked like RoboCop dog. Um, did you ever watch any of the training or anything or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, it's funny you mentioned his grill. Um, he actually didn't come to us like that. Um, he, uh, <laughs> Rick is much more aware of his surroundings now. Um, <laughs> we had not had him long and, uh, Jake had got off duty and was throwing the ball with him to burn off some energy before, um, the night. And he had built this brick, um, fire pit in the back of our yard. And we, ha as I said, we hadn't had brick long. And so he's throwing ball in the dark. And, um, as you know, working dogs, they, it's ball, like mm -hmm. nothing else matters. All is life. Ball. Yes. <laughs> so he goes after this ball and, um, ends up biting the fire pit, trying to oh. get the ball because the ball had gone in there. And then he just picks up the ball and he comes running back to Jake and he drops it at Jake's feet and there's blood coming out of his mouth. And, um, and Jake's trying to figure out what's going on. And I had already gone, well, I, I wasn't asleep yet. I was watching TV in bed because this is sometime after second shift. And Jake comes into the master bathroom and he's looking for Neosporin or something. And he, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he says, he goes, well, bricks hurt somehow. And I don't know how. Um, so we go out to the garage and, and we're looking him over. And this was not my smartest moment. Because, um, you know, I had worked with the Humane Society and dog rescues and things like that. So I didn't look at Brick as, you know, a, a multipurpose dog that, you know, is trained to bite and things like that. And so we've looked over his head and hadn't seen anything. And then I just grab his lips and I just pull up oh. his lips and take a, a look at his teeth, like my face right in his face. And I just yeah. like and then and then there was a moment where I thought you are looking an apprehension dog face to face in the teeth and we've only had him like two months. Like he doesn't even really know me that well because yeah. Jake was supposed to work on his bond. I wasn't supposed to be in the picture much in the beginning. And Just I was gazing like, well. into the maw of destruction. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, well, um, he's bleeding from his mouth. He has several teeth broken and several teeth missing. And, um, so he had, um, broken a couple teeth and ripped a couple straight out. And that is, you know, a typical personal dog would just have the canine pulled, but because his canines were part of his, um, job tools for the job, <laughs> yeah. um, he ended up getting a titanium crown. And, um, so then we thought it was pretty cool that he had a grill. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah um so I'll yeah, never forget you, you'd go by his his cage you know in the in the car and he'd wait 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 be hitting the the screen and you could see the teeth glinting in the darkness oh yeah yes yes <laughs> he was um, he was something else yes he uh i'm sorry i forget the first part of the question i got off on talking about honestly i don't even remember teeth. it <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, he was uh he was always fun to just watch work because he was he had a lot of drive to him. Oh. Um go ahead. 
you you had asked about if I had ever seen them train and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yes. So, um, yeah, I went several times to uh, training with Jake and watched them work. Um, and then also he trained all the time. I mean, he he was so dedicated to canine um, and went above and beyond. They were training in the backyard. They were, um, he would meet with other officers and train at other times. Um, I remember one time he said, uh, we're going to borrow your car and go practice vehicle searches. And I was like, so you're going to borrow my car and put drugs in it? Cool. Okay. I was like, just make sure you get them all out after. Uh, <laughs> So I would appreciate that. Yeah. And um, I'm going, you know, if I get pulled over and some and another canine alerts on my vehicle, I'm going to give them your phone number. So yeah. um, but he was training all the time. And um, one time I went with him when they were doing building searches and Brick just had this scary calm to him. He uh, where some dogs, when, you know, they have to identify themselves, you know, Boone County with a canine and have to announce that several times before they can release their dog. And a lot of dogs would get excited and they're barking and things like mm -hmm. that. Brick, he just has this, he had this scary calm to him where he would just, he wouldn't move. It was like he wasn't even breathing. He wouldn't bark. He wouldn't growl. He would just, and, and just laser focused, just like, let me go, dad. Let me go. Mm -hmm. and um which honestly I feel like was more intimidating than the barking dogs because he just yeah. had this like terrifying like I'm on the job and, I, and I'm ready to go and I'm laser focused um I always I always attributed to him or compared him to you've seen that uh Samuel L. Jackson meme where it's him with like he's just staring like yes. you know that's that's the look that brick would give like it's from black snake moan is what the movie's from but that's the look that i always saw on brick's face of samuel l jackson just you know, wide eyed <laughs> just just staring into your soul yeah <laughs> yeah um but they were an amazing team together and you know um kudos to jake for that because he it was the hours and the time that he put into it yeah, he definitely uh, had connections with, with him. Yeah, it was uh, it was always interesting to watch him work. You know, you I I wouldn't uh, get out of the car uh, just because you know you know I didn't want to be another body and I didn't want to be chewed on. So I'd sit in the car and watch <laughs> him, you know, run the dog back and forth and and everything. And it was you know you you could clearly tell that there was a connection there. They knew exactly what the other wanted, um, which was cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he always, uh, Jake seemed to, no matter if he knew you very well or not, he would always connect with you somehow. And that's, you know, yeah. with me, it was with music and everything at work. And I was like, yeah, you know, this guy's going to be okay. You know, like you know, mm -hmm. you're always skeptical. Cops are always skeptical of especially new guys. <laughs> and, right. uh, it was pretty instant with, with Jake that, uh, I was like, eh, this, this, this is okay. Um, you know, we had, uh, when we decided to to transfer up north and move and everything, um, I was you know getting a couple of guys around to to help load the truck and everything. And you know, Fauci came by and helped. And I didn't ask everybody, but I you know I just asked a couple. And the day before we left, no, it was the day we left. Uh, Jake showed up 
right before work. He's, it was like 1230 or something. And he shows up and his he's got his work pants on and like a cutoff shirt on top. He's like, he's like, hey, buddy, you need some help? And I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so, so Brick's in, in his truck and we're, you know, we're loading the moving truck, moving stuff out of the house and everything. And, you know, he he's like, well, I got to I got to get to work. And I'm like, we'll see you. That was the last time I saw him was was right mm-hmm. then you know he uh he was uh i knew he was busy he was getting ready for work or whatever but he was willing to give me 30 minutes of his time before before he went to work to to help us move and and you know we were so grateful for that and it just you know it spoke to who he was as a person was that yeah you know it, it inconvenienced him but you know what somebody needed help and he was you know willing to give a little bit of time it was crazy he was that that's who he was he was always there yeah definitely i'll uh i'll never forget when uh i owe a lot to aaron clapp uh the the marshal um he's the one who let me know uh Mm -hmm. in in march when when that all happened uh we were going through we were visiting a school for one of the kids to go to mm-hmm. and I get a text message from, from Aaron that said, call me. And I'm like, you know, usually it's something goofy. I'm like, like, I can't talk right now. I'm doing something. And, uh, I don't remember if I responded or not, but he called me like right then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey, Jake shot bad. And I was like, well, hold on. Like Jake who like, and he's like, Pickett. And I always knew him as Prickett. That's what I always, I always <laughs> used to call him in my phone still to this day. My, I still have his old phone number saved in my phone just because I think it's bad luck to, to get rid of him. It says Jake Prickett because that's what I always <laughs> called him. Um, and I was like, I was like, Prickett? Prickett shot? And he said, yeah, it's, it's bad. I don't have a lot of information, but he's shot bad. That's, I remember him saying shot bad. Mm-hmm. So immediately I'm, you know, my mind starts racing and everything. I'm like, what is going on? So I'm, I'm trying to not contact guys down South because, you know, I'm mm-hmm. two and a half hours away because I know if something's happening, then something's happening. You know, nobody's mm-hmm. going to be able to pick up their phones and anything. So I'm being fed information from him and, and the news media and everything. And, and I'll, I'll forever remember that day from that morning, like what, what was happening for me. Um, you know, being, mm-hmm. even being so far away, it was still just like, it was mind blowing. And, uh, right. I, it was, it's hard to believe. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you had a, obviously would have a different experience and, and, and everything you were at work, right? Yes. I was teaching. I was teaching. I, um, so I taught first grade and um, I taught at Brownsburg schools. So I was out of County. Um, I wasn't in Boone County. I was in Hendricks County. And um, my best friend in the Navy who was stationed on the East coast called me and <clears throat> we're, I, we've been friends since kindergarten. And so like a lot of times when we call would call each other, we'd be like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what happened at Target or I mean, it would just be like, or um, this kid, let me tell you, like talking mm-hmm. about her kids or something like that. So um, 
when my phone went off, I, I remember I was standing at my desk. We were transitioning between lessons and my phone rang. I always had my phone on because of, because of my kids. And um, I saw that it was Katie and I just silenced it and set it down. I was like, she'll leave me a funny voicemail. I'll laugh about it. We'll call, I'll call her later. Then it rang again. And I was like, mm, this isn't right. So I answered the phone and the first words out of her mouth were, walk out of your classroom. And I said, okay. And I walked out of my classroom and I said, okay, Katie, I'm in the hallway. And she said, um, Jake has been shot. And first of all, I'm trying to figure out why my friend on the East Coast knows that Jake has been shot. Yeah. And um, her sister was an EMT in Boone County and was one of the first um, of the paramedic team that responded. And so she was on scene. And Sally didn't have my number. And so she called Katie and said, you need to call Jen. And um, so uh, it's kind of a blur after that. I, I remember reacting and I walked down to my school office. Somehow I saw my principal in the hallway. I don't know if it was by chance or if she somehow knew what was going on, but she said, just go. And she walked into my classroom um, and it was kind of eerie because I was, Katie's hysterical on the phone and I'm hysterical, but then I just kind of switched off and went into business mode. And it was, it was weird. I walked into the office and I sat down, um, at the treasurer's desk. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. And I look into my principal's office and my, the superintendent's there. And also the chief of our school police is there. And, um, so I'm talking to Katie and I'm saying, you know, where is he? What's happening? What's, you know, what's going on? And that's when my superintendent and um, uh, officer Jenny Wing came out and um, they said, listen, um, obvious, obviously, you know what's going on. Um, Boone County was on their way to notify you, um, but our school police picked up the chatter on the radio and we said, this is stupid. We're not letting, like, we're wasting time letting you drive all the way to Hendricks County when we can notify her and transport her yeah. uh, to the hospital. So at that point, Jenny just grabbed me up and her police car was right out front and we hopped in our car and, and headed to the hospital. Um, and at that point, all I'd been told was he was shot and, um, and Jake was invincible to me. Um, he was hard headed. He was stubborn. He was, um, just, uh, nothing could hold him down. And so never did it cross my mind that it was fatal. And, like the whole drive, it was just like, I'm thinking things like, okay, where is he shot? What's this going to look like? Time off, rehab, how's this going to change our lives? Um, you know, where's Brick? What's happening? Um, 
And that was what was going through my mind. It was, I, <laughs> I, I never even considered that it was fatal. Yeah, I understand. Um, so did you meet them at the hospital in, uh, in Indianapolis? Cause <clears throat> I, he went to, he went to with them first and then went lifeline to Eskenazi. He went to, no, he went to Witham first in Lebanon, and then they lifelined him to St. Vincent in Indianapolis. Saint. Okay. And, um, yes, so we went to St. Vincent, and um, and it was so eerie. There were so many police cars there already. And, um, I mean, at, like, so many police cars. Um, and... It was almost this out-of-body experience because, as I mentioned earlier, um, we he was working for Tipton when, when Jake Calvin died, and we had gone to the hospital when he was at the hospital, and I remember pulling up and seeing all the police cars and things like that. And so here we are pulling up to a hospital with all the police cars, and I just kept thinking, like, that they are here for him and they are here for me. And this is, this isn't right. Um, this is just it like this, this isn't supposed to be us. And so, um, we got out of the, um, Jenny and I, we, we pulled right up and, and she walked me in and they already had a, a private locked room, um, right there where um some of his i honestly can't even remember the faces that were in there right now i know sheriff was in there um and and they let me in there and um and just we hugged and cried and i still didn't know a lot um and it was kind of a blur um just this it was a long time before they would let me see him um, in the ER trauma room um, because he was still um, he was still alive, if you will. Um, he was brain dead. Um, and later I found out he he did actually he died on the scene and they uh, performed CPR. And, and brought him back, um, which is a miracle in and of itself because he was able to give, he was an organ donor. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they, they took us back to, to see him and I just, it was, it was almost like my mind was protecting myself from from what all it was like I just I couldn't accept that like I mean, I mean you nationally officers get shot in the head sometimes and um yeah. and they and they recover you know you hear yep. these miracle stories so that's where my mind was I mean that's that's where I, I I went into survival mode and um and I was like again Jake's stubborn like he's He's, he's he was Jake. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, 
this isn't going to take him down. Like, if it was, it's not going to take him down. He's, he's too stubborn for this. Yeah. Um, so. And then, uh, you know, that the doctor had talked to me about how um, he was brain dead. And, um, and that um, it was actually kind of interesting. Um, initially, the hospital didn't know that he was an organ donor. Um, you know, just kind of in the, I mean, I'm sure it was chaotic and crazy and things like that. So I, I don't know what their exact process is for that. But they didn't know right off the bat that he was an organ donor. So the doctor started talking to me about taking him off of life support. And that's never a decision that you want to be faced with. Yeah. And, um, but immediately in my heart, I, I knew um, that Jake never wanted to live on life support. And, um, but then that was when I started digging for facts, like, okay, well, what are the chances? And, you know, can he come back from this? And what are the cold, hard facts? And, I, again, I, I switched off my emotions. I went into business mode. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? Yeah. And at that point, I think the doctor realized that I was just as stubborn as Jake. And, <laughs> um, and that was when he brought the neurosurgeon in to really um, talk to me about how, about how he had been shot and the damage and that. Um, and so I, I, I made the decision. I said, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll start backing off the meds and life support and, and things like that. And then, and then they were like, Oh, he's an organ donor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, do? like, look on the back of his ID or something. I don't, I don't know. But I was like, seriously, you just put me through all that hell. And then, oh my gosh. and I was like, and now you're like, no, we're pumping him back full of meds. We got to keep him alive. So Jeez. I was like, Okay. Talk cool. about a roller coaster. Fun. Um and so yeah. Um it was not good. Um uh, and meanwhile and this all happened I mean, on March third. March second. March second, excuse me. because uh, the because yes. his end of watch is the fit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. March second. And yeah. uh so um so yeah, they they determined he was an organ donor and and knew that they had to transfer him to the ICU and um and you know start looking for matches and things like that. And so I, I think that was one of the hardest parts was March second. I knew he was gone. Like he was gone. It wasn't him anymore. Um, yeah. And it was machines keeping him alive and uh for but then for two more days we were going to the hospital and um you know i i had things to tend to um as far as the organ donation as far as working through the with the critical incident team about funerals and stuff like that and um 
and it was just so eerie because it's like we're we're talking funerals and doing all these things but technically he's alive just down the hallway and yeah it was just just weird so weird yeah i can't imagine what kind of experience that would be to to literally be planning the funeral for somebody that's still alive down the hallway yes yeah yes um I don't know. I, I'm going to try and get uh, some of the guys on that uh, were there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have bits and pieces of everybody's stories of mm-hmm. what it, what happened and how it all occurred. I've, I've seen uh, dash cam and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I actually just had today uh, Jared Koopman from Fisher's PD. Um, mm-hmm. He, I, he's his episode released today, um, part two of it. I'm talking about Harley when uh, Harley was killed in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and Jared was, you know, familiar with Jake and and remembered remembered him. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm going to try and get some guys on to talk about for, but for those that aren't familiar um, with the story, with, with what happened with Jake. Um, there was a vehicle pursuit that he ended up jumping in um, and they ended up in a foot pursuit gets brick out. Um, and you might know this story better than I. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to go into these horrible, you know, great details, but uh, you know, he essentially rounded a corner and was shot in the head. That's, that's what happened mm-hmm. with, with Jake and uh, you know, the, the guys that were there kept him alive on scene uh, long mm-hmm. enough to be uh, transported. And, uh, you know, as, as we just discussed, um, was able to, they were able to harvest his organs and, uh, you know, he was able to give some other people more life, which is mm-hmm. incredible. But obviously mm-hmm. so giving of him, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. uh, something that, yeah. that he would have definitely done. <clears throat> I've seen the dash cam. I've seen his body cam. That was something I had to do. Yeah. Um, your I was going to ask you that. Can be, yeah. Your imagination can be worse than, uh, than the truth. So yeah. um, I think it was about one, one year out where I asked Sheriff Nielsen to show it to me. And uh, we walked through, um, you know, kind of the, what happened scene by scene and and then I watched the like I said the dash cam and the um body cam right up until when he was shot yeah so I mean it was seconds yeah seconds from the time from the time he left his truck to to when he was shot yeah it was uh we we use the same company uh for our body cams um, mm-hmm. and when, when they were doing our training, they brought up, uh, that that was all caught on video and everything. And, uh, you know, just talking, you know, just talking about the function of the, the device that we use and everything. And, you know, they were like, Hey, do you guys remember this? And I was like, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, <laughs> it was, you know, one of my friends and, and they were like, Oh, well, you know, but they, you know, just, I suppose just talking about the, the product, um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I was going to ask you if you had, if you had seen it or, you know, asked to see it or, you know, whether you would even want to, you know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I would want, I, you know, I tell my wife, Hannah, like, I'm like, you know, if, if anything ever happens to me, subpoena all the radio traffic, subpoena all the the cameras, Mm -hmm. everything, because Mm -hmm. you want, you want everything, you know, just in case something, you Mm -hmm. know, so. Right. um, What was that like to, 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 to do that? Um, it was, it was incredibly hard. Um, it, there, there was, you know, um, it was cathartic in the way that I had kind of tortured myself with what had happened, like what really happened. And I, and like I said, I can't remember if it was a year or a year and a half when I finally sat down to watch it. Um, but, um, you know, my mind had gone through so many scenarios. Um, and I, and so there, there was a sense of, um, I don't want to use the word peace because it seems so wrong, but just um, knowing what happened versus, like I said, your imagination can be so much worse. Um, So there was that. Um, There were some parts that shocked me and um, that I kind of had to wrestle with and, and come to terms with afterwards. Um, And so, I mean, but in the end, I'm glad that I did it. Um, but um, yeah, it was just, and I, I mean, I had a great support system with me. I had um, my therapist was with me and she was not going to let me do that alone. And um, <laughs> yeah, Sheriff Nielsen was with me and I mean, he and I have become so close and um, you know, he's, I mean, just wonderful to me. And so having him there with me while I watched it, and I know that was not easy for him to, to let me watch because um, he's kind of taken a protective role of me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I'm sure it um, had to have been like, you know, it was almost like you'd torn a page out of your book and it was like putting that torn page back in. Like this is the last page of this chapter and we got to finish it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a good way to describe it. I just, you know, just thought of that. Um, that day um, when that happened, I was, like I said, I was at the school and I was supposed to go into work and you know my mind was was rushing and everything and of course by the afternoon i was told that it you know it wasn't good and mm-hmm. and everything so i had uh i'd gone into work and I, everybody at work was like hey did you know him and i'm you know i'm white as a ghost at work just cuz because of what happened mm-hmm. and uh i'll never forget uh one of the one of the older guys on the department, his name's Bob Warsler. He said uh, he was like, "Dude, go home." He's like, "Take a sick day, go home." 
you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. clearly not of the right mindset. So, um, I went home and I packed a bag and, uh, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go down there. And, uh, mm-hmm. cause everybody was going to the 4-H ground and everything. And I had, you know, planned on staying, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to be there, whatever. I'd packed a bag. I was like, I, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. So I went and drove down there and, and to see the amount of people that had gathered at the 4-H grounds was just mind blowing. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't, obviously I didn't call people or whatever. I just showed up mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I think a lot of people were like shocked that I was there and it was like, look, he, you know, he was mine too. You know, mm-hmm. he was everybody's and, uh, it was, it was great to, to come down and see the, the amount of support that the community showed. You know, I, I think it was the, the fire department or something was supposed to have a, a ball or a gala or something there that night. And they canceled it and sent us all the food or sent all the oh, food wow. there. Yeah, I, I think that if my memory serves, um, they, they just canceled it and they were like, just, you know, send it all there and, and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, it was so odd how somber everything was. Um, and then to go to the funeral was, uh, even more surreal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't fathom your end of that. Um, I, I want to, to, I I hope that it was all sort of done for you and you just showed Mm up. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it, it, uh, just putting everything into perspective. You, you guys had these two young boys. Um, Mm -hmm. how, what kind of impact was that? So um, a lot of a lot of people don't know that um, Jake and I were in the process of adopting them, and um, so our two boys had been with us eight months um, when Jake passed, and um, they were four and three years old. my oldest had just broken his leg that Monday, oh my gosh. a spiral fracture at school and had just, um, he actually, and in hindsight, this was a blessing um, because of his break. Uh, Jake was home with him Monday. No, he was home with him Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of that week. And, um, normally I was the one to take off work and, um, stay at home with the kids. And, and Jake said, no, go to work. I got this. And so he was home with him, um, for three straight days and, um, he was casted on Thursday and it was because it was a spiral fracture. It was a cast that was, um, up to his upper thigh. And so he Mm. was wheelchair bound at four years old. (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you can imagine this fun. Yeah. Um, and um I mean it was just they 
it was so hard to decide what was the right thing to do for them um, in the sense that um, like, how do you tell, how do you tell kids that their parent has died? And then when you're in a situation like us where, um, you know, um, they've, they've been promised a, a, a new mommy and daddy and a family forever and now one of them's gone. And um, luckily there was a, uh, um, a friend of mine, well, now a friend of mine, um, I, didn't, I didn't know her then, uh, Molly. Um, I met her through uh, the COPS organization and, and she had had young kids when her um, husband was killed in the line of duty. And she encouraged me to, um, I, I wasn't going to let the boys see Jake. And she actually encouraged me to um, allow them to see Jake um, so that they could kind of get that concrete um, feeling. And so yeah. that Friday night, um, I had friends that were caring for them at that time and uh, they brought him up and we went back and we saw Jake and, um, you know, they, they talked to him and they touched him and, um, you know, said what they could at, at yeah. three years old and, and with their, with their understanding. Um, but what's one of the really cool things um, out of all of this is as we were going through our adoption process, and if anyone's ever done an adoption process, they know that it's not easy and it's, it's stacks and stacks of paperwork, yeah. paperwork and hoops and all kinds of things. And it's insane. Um, and our adoption process had kind of been um, pushed quickly in the sense that Jake and I almost didn't understand why it was pushed quickly. Um, like they were actually setting dates and saying, you need to complete this by this date and you need to complete this by this date. And um, even our caseworker was like, they don't usually do this. I'm not really understanding why they're doing it. And, you know, of course me being a teacher and, and him being um, working in law enforcement with the lovely schedule that y'all have. Um <laughs> like trying to get some of these things done. It was like, Oh, this is yeah. why, why, why is this moving so quickly? Um, but anyway, so long story short, at the time that he passed, we had completed all of the steps except for the official adoption hearing. So um, when we had the adoption hearing in May, um, a couple months after, after Jake had gone, um, they actually, they allowed him to adopt them even after death. Oh, so, wow. Um, so he's on the adoption decree. He's on their birth certificate. Um, he's their legal father. He, they get all of the line of duty benefits of a, um, you know, a child of a, of an officer that has fallen. And um, it's, it's just one of those moments where you look back and you kind of, you can see where God was working and say, yeah. 
oh, that's why you pushed this. Like we didn't understand it then, but um, had those steps not all been completed, uh, it, it might've just been me on the adoption paperwork. Um, yeah. So that meant a lot to me and, and the department came to the hearing. Um, I think we overwhelmed a lot of the uh, other adoptive families that were there because they do multiple adoption hearings. And, um, yeah. you know, I roll in with about 50, 60 officers. <laughs> and it's just a protection detail. Yeah, I was like, just, you know, you, you don't bring 50, 60 officers to your adoption hearing. I don't understand why. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. We're not coercing anybody to do anything. It's just <laughs> it's just a just a normal adoption hearing. Don't mind us. <laughs> oh my gosh. But so that's pretty cool that they allowed him. Yeah, that's pretty cool they allowed him on there. Um, you know, usually you hear horror stories of, you know, things going the opposite direction and, you know, because mm-hmm. of how evil the the state and the government can be. Um, you know, if you're listening state or government, you're evil, um, which the <laughs> NSA is probably listening to this anyway. So it's fine. Um, yeah. Well, that's good that, that, uh, that happened that way. So you guys, uh, for the viewing, um, I drove down and see here. Cause I was honor guard up here. So I, you know, I was, it was the first time a lot of people had seen me in blue, which was odd in general, you know, to see all my old coworkers and everything. And, uh, I was trying to stand watch, um, at his casket, trying to sign up for it and everything. And of course, when this stuff happens, a lot of departments show up and a lot of guys want to do it. And I never got mm-hmm. a chance to, it was, it was full. Um, mm-hmm. and that, it like broke my heart because, you know, I'm like, you know, some of these guys were just complete strangers to him and everything. And like, I tried trading like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll jump in here or whatever. And guys were like, no. And you know, I, I like I said, it, it was hurtful because I knew him mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to be a part of it, but it was also a point of pride because it was like, all these guys want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to be involved. And that was, uh, that was moving to me. Cause it was just, you know, that's awesome that guys want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if you did or, or somebody did, but on my way home that night from the viewing, I called Jake's phone mm-hmm. and, and I left him a voicemail. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I don't know if you listened to it. Um, it was, I don't know. Maybe it was because I, I didn't get any, get a chance to say anything to him. Um, hadn't talked to him since I'd moved. I mean, maybe a text message here or there. Um, but I remember calling him and, and telling him how weird it was that I was saying, I just got done at your viewing. Like, right. You know, it was, I don't know. It was, it was, it was like therapy to me to, to call and, and, uh, leave him that voicemail. It was, did you listen to it or it did? I did. I did. You did? <laughs> I wondered. I wondered if I anybody would. I, I honestly, it was one of those things that I, I turned his phone on and it, it, I mean, it took a long time before I did, but 
a lot a lot of it I was looking for pictures um you know because just any family you snap pictures on your phone and you know your significant other snap pictures on their phone and and things like that and actually notifications started popping up and there were a lot of text messages that were just are you okay man can you like respond back respond back you know there was a lot of that um and so but I I totally get it because um I mean we all need to do it in our own way and um I wrote Jake a letter that I put in the casket and um that was buried with him and um I also spent some time in the ICU room talking to him um and just telling him honestly I I was I was begging him to give me his strength. I said, this is you're one of the strongest people I know and you don't need it now. And God knows I'm gonna need it. I said, I, I need you to pour it into me um, because I'm the one left here. And then um, I've written a lot of letters to him and I actually recently, it's, it's funny that I, I just kind of naturally go to that. Um, I've, I've been trying to work on, uh, a blog post for his third end of watch. And as I started it last night, um, I got too much in my feelings. So I had to shut the computer and walk (laughs) away from it for a while. Um, but, uh, as I started it, I I never, when it has to do with him, I never write as I normally write. Like it, it instantly goes into letter form. Like, it's not like I start Dear Jake or anything like that, but it's yeah. always, it's, I'm always saying you, 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 like I'm talking directly to him. Um, so, so I get that kind of needing that just, you know, I'm sure everybody does it in their own way. Yeah. So. You uh, had mentioned that you started this blog, uh, Tears of the Phoenix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what made you do that? Um, <laughs> so... Um, I I started seeing a therapist after Jake died um, to really help me unpack this grief. Understandable. Um, because I I was crushed. I mean, I like I t- like I said, I, I met Jake when I was seventeen. I had never lived in the as an adult without him, and I I didn't know what to do without him. Um, and so um started working with this therapist and and you know has therapy evolves and and I'm still in therapy um I started learning a lot about myself and um emotions and core emotions and and learning to live authentically um 
also in my experience over the last three years is our society has no idea how to handle grief or people who are grieving. Um, there are <laughs> so few people who, um, so few people who actually are comfortable sitting with you in it. Um, and otherwise it's, you know, everything has good intentions. I'm, I'm not trying to, um, to knock anybody. Um, everything has good intentions, but you know, um, grief makes people uncomfortable and, you know, they want to say, well, God has a plan and, um, you know, everything happens for a reason or he's in a better place now or, um, and, you know, I, as someone who is in that position of losing someone who's so important to you, that doesn't make you feel better. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and honestly, um, it can be offensive. Um, God has a plan. Well, I don't, I don't believe God's plan was for Jake to diet that young. I, there, there's evil in this world. You know, there, there's yep. God and there's evil. And God can do beautiful things um, out of evil, but God doesn't, God doesn't put the evil there. And so um, it, it wasn't his plan. Um, but as I've been working through this, I just, there, there were times that I just, I'd been encouraged to journal and just kind of vomit all my thoughts out. And, um, and, and I did that for a long time, um, just kind of journaling on my own. And occasionally I would feel compelled to share it on Facebook, um, just on my personal page. And yep. I always got, I always got a lot of good feedback from it. And, um, then there was, um, over the last couple of years, I followed several really, um, really awesome blogs of women who had, um, that were widows too, and um, not law enforcement, but had lost their husbands suddenly or, um, and I just, what really spoke to me about them was, it wasn't that they were selling, you know, tons of encouragement and, you know, um, what really, what really helped me was their raw vulnerability that they were able to just be like, this is what happened. This is how I'm yeah. feeling. And this sucks. And, you know, and, and within some of that, there was encouragement. And then, but sometimes it was just, I would read it and I would be like, Oh, I'm not crazy. I am not the only one that feels these things because that's what you do. You feel crazy. You feel um, isolated. And even, I mean, even people who are close to him, they, they still don't feel the way I do because they weren't married to him. They, yeah. um, you know, the relationship was different. So, um, so I just, I started feeling compelled that, I needed to put my story out there and I, I wanted to be authentic and I wanted to just say, this is, this is how I feel. 
And, you know, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. Um, you know, I know within law enforcement, um, there's kind of the mental health stigma. And, um, but I also believe there's a mental health stigma in our society in general. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, nobody really wants to admit they're depressed or they're anxious or that they deal with something. And so, I also think that there's a abuse of that as well. I, yeah. I, I believe that there are people who claim that they have PTSD or whatever, just to have something, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, in, in my experience, you know, in, in law enforcement, I've experienced stuff like that. And I'm like, I just, I don't, you know, but whatever, I mean, it may be that you do, but it's just, you know, and that may be my, you know, perception of what I think it is, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I agree that, that, uh, there is this stigma. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think within the law enforcement community, it's growing smaller. Uh, I've talked about this a couple of times where, yeah, there is still this stigma of, hey, you don't want to say that you're struggling because, you know, you might get, you know, stymied by the guys or whatever, you know, you, they won't want to trust you or whatever. But I do believe that there's a movement now within law enforcement of, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Let's talk about it, which is a good sure. thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I know I got off kind of rambling there, but my whole point was no, no, I, really um, was you know, I just wanted to, to put it out there. And, um, I, the, the Phoenix has really spoken to me through all of this. Um, I actually, um, when I wanted, you know, everybody gets a line of duty death tattoo, like that's the thing. Everybody gets one. Um, well, I of course had to be unique, um, because I didn't want, I didn't want anybody to see mine and know that it was a line of duty death tattoo. And that is not because I didn't, because I was worried about what people would think. I wanted it to right. just be symbolic to me. So I actually have a Phoenix tattooed on, on my wrist um, that has a thin blue line through it. And it's um, because again, I didn't want to focus on Jake's death. I wanted to focus yeah. on how he lived and how I'm going to continue to live. Um, you know, remembering those his, ashes right exactly and then they say the tears of the phoenix are are considered to be healing and so um i just want to put my story out there and hopefully you know if if it helps some people to read it and just have those moments where i would say oh i'm not crazy oh okay yeah. that's good um and you know a, a lot of it talks you know, some of it talks about line of duty stuff and police wife stuff, but a lot of it, you know, is just, you know, my experiences with anxiety and depression and grief and um, being a mom of two wild and crazy boys. And uh, <laughs> so that's an adventure. Yeah. Um, There's definitely something to be said with uh, you know, the words you keep using raw vulnerability. There's definitely something to be said with, people who will are willing to give that Mm -hmm. to, to let everybody know, Hey, here's my open wound. Take a look at it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's real. This stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's gotta be um, the word you used was cathartic for Mm -hmm. you um, to just spill it out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, here it is. You know, this is, this is what I live with day to day. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I <laughs> I have a funny story about uh, Phoenix. Um, it it, be, it just made me think of it when I worked in the jail. Uh, you know, we would take guys to the nurse uh, or or the females to the nurse to get checked out or whatever. And this this great big dude, he had to have been like three hundred pounds. He had this. Uh, it was a bird. He had a tramp stamp. This guy had a tramp stamp. <laughs> And it was, you know, right above his belt line on his, on his lower back. And it was this bird. It wasn't a Phoenix. It was just some kind of weird bird. And, uh, one of the, one of the other guys, one of the jailers was like, Oh, you know, what, what is, what's with the bird tattoo? And I was like, it's a, it, and it was, of course it was right above his butt crack and you could see his butt crack hanging out. I was like, dude, it's a Phoenix rising above the asses. <laughs> <He was like, laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to forget that. So there's your, uh, your Phoenix rising from the asses well, uh, story. I guess they do that too. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, that's just, that's horrible. <laughs> That's so horrible tattoo. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, um, respond like Jake movement and uh, the the Jake Remembrance Day thing. That the first year that we did it was awesome. I you know mm-hmm. we we had a great time. It was fun to come down and and everything. I was you know those of us in the Honor Hero Project, Mark and and Morgan, we were so grateful that you let us be a, be a part of that. Um, it was, it was, you know, personal to me because I got to, I got to have a little piece of, of that day, you know, I got Mm -hmm. to be involved somehow. And, and I'm like, I've said to you before, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful for that, uh, for allowing us to do that. Um, this year we've changed the date and everything for it. Right. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Jen and I took a quick break, um, you know, to, to do a couple of things and, uh, we, we come back and are talking about this again. This is typically where I would run ads, um, but I'm not going to run ads on this one. Uh, this episode is too important, um, to, to me and to, to everyone else that knew Jake. So here's the second half ways to, to ask questions and, and go about them. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, there's been, dang it. I said it again. There, <laughs> there have been, uh, you know, different, people that I've interviewed and everything. And it's just sort of like a bro session kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I suppose I'm just trying to be a little bit more respectful, just out of, you know, out of respect for you and everything. So forgive me if my questions are a little bit odd or just open-ended. I'm a bro too. I know you are. I know you're a bro. (laughs) (laughs) I live in a house full of boys. What are you talking about? That's that's for sure. Um, So to move on a little bit here um, from, you know, we, we've, we've covered our, our sadness and our, and the event and everything. Let's talk about how we can, how we're celebrating Jake and, and how we're, we're trying to build a movement out of it. I know we have done several remembrance days, uh, you know, last year, no, two years ago. Um, I got a tattoo on, on that day. Um, uh, you know, we, my wife and I went, went down with, uh, and met up with the Bertrams and we got tattoos and stuff. It's I'll forever remember getting the tattoo on that day because, you know, it was the, the one year anniversary. It was a big deal for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then last year, just before COVID hit, we were still able to have one. And that was when you announced the whole organization that you've done. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, so the first remembrance day that we had, um, uh, two great friends of mine had 
this idea of putting together a day that just um, gave back to the community um, because the community supported me so much. And um, we just kind of wanted to also change that narrative of let's not focus on his death, let's focus on how he lived. Um, And it was one of the first times that I publicly spoke about um, Jake. And um, then after that event, um, in 2019, um, my friends approached me again and they said, well, what are you, what are you thinking about, um, a second remembrance day? And, you know, at first I was just kind of, you know, I, I was unsure of whether I wanted to do one and, um, it was kind of like, okay, so what's the purpose of it? You know, last, the last one was more to celebrate how Jake lived his life give back to the community that supported me so much. Um, And so I told them, I said, I I really just need to think about it. And in between that time, um, I learned about a a friend of mine who um, my age, um, two little, two girls, and um, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And um, the very first thing that I thought Um, I remember sitting on my porch and just crying when I found out about it. Um, I, I couldn't believe it was happening to her. I wanted to help. I didn't know how to help. And I was so mad that Jake wasn't here because just like you said, Jake showing up with work pants on and a cutoff to help move, like Jake would do whatever he could to help somebody. And like, you know, I, I was sitting there going, how do you, how do you help somebody? Um, and I know Jake would have, he would have been up there in a second doing whatever he could have. And, um, so that's when I came up with the idea of completely starting a nonprofit that would support, um, law enforcement families and, you know, law enforcement, families have a lot of support when it comes to line of duty deaths. Um, But as you know, law enforcement goes through a lot more than that. And, um, you know, whether it's a mental health crisis, whether it's a suicide, whether it's a a sick child, um, a house fire, you know, there's, and, you know, cops don't get paid nearly enough. Um, And there's just, we could do more. We could do more to help. And so I created this organization, the Jacob Pickett Response Organization. And our mission is to assist law enforcement families um, during times of traumatic events and to facilitate community support um, for them, almost in the way the community rallied around me. And um, so... We created the organization and then um, kind of our mantra is to respond like Jake. And um, and the big thing about that is, you know, it can, it can be big, it can be small. And um, so I spoke with the family and we, again, held Remembrance Day, luckily a week before everything shut down for COVID. Oh my gosh, we were so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, oh my God so close. 
that was pre-masks. Um, Nobody was wearing masks or anything. I know. I know. Um, so we, you know, it was still in honor of Jake and how Jake lived. Um, but it was geared more towards the fundraiser and a little less towards giving back to the community. And um, the idea was to raise money um, for the Farinella family to help them with medical costs um, to to assist um, with, you know, I mean, gosh, I can't imagine everything that that goes along with a diagnosis like that. And um, so it really just became a passion project and has evolved. And um, we were able to have two events last year. We had Remembrance Day, and then we also had a polo match in the fall that was very successful. Luckily, the polo match is all outdoors, so we were still able to pull that off with COVID. <laughs> so, um, and um, really, like I said, the, the, the organization is, to, to support law enforcement um, the way they supported me and to also continue on how Jake lived. And, um, you know, and part of that goes along with raising my two boys, you know, they're, they're going to miss out on those lessons of Jake just showing up to help and do things. And, you know, if we have an organization that does things like that, and they know that it's because that's the way their daddy lived. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to learn about that and learn about empathy and helping and, um, and we can give back and, and we can be that facilitator for the community. So not necessarily just always writing a check for a family, but if we can bring together resources or supports. Um, so you know, as we've mentioned, COVID has brought about some challenges. And um, the last two Remembrance Days we've held right around Jake's um, end of watch, which is in March, which I always criticize him. I'm like, what a terrible time of year, Jake. Um, seriously. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. March in Indiana, terrible time of it's year. Ter- it could be uh, snowing. It could be 70. You never know. You don't know, you know, um, I mean, the last, the last Remembrance Day, we were like, are we doing the cornhole tournament inside or outside? We don't know. It's Indiana. Like, I mean, (laughs) who knows what's going to happen? Luckily, we had great weather last year. But uh, so this year, knowing um, about COVID and we're still being cautious and vaccines are coming out and things, um, Jake's badge number was 626. And uh, very conveniently this year, 626 falls on a Saturday. So um, we have decided to move Remembrance Day to 626 this year. And um, that'll give us some options as far as we can move some of our events more outdoors, um, which is healthier for everybody. And then also with, you know, people are starting to get vaccinated. we're really hopeful that we'll still be able to have the event and um, people will feel comfortable coming to the event, um, being vaccinated and also having the outdoor atmosphere where um, COVID isn't quite as much of a risk. Um, But again, the idea will be to raise money for the organization and um, so that we can 
continue to help other law enforcement families. And, and what we've done this last year is just kind of worked on, um, you know, boring organizational business stuff, um, you know, get it updating our website and um, getting a formal application out there so that people can apply for assistance. And um, yeah, but um, yes, if anybody wanted more information about that, um, it's the Jacob Pickett Response Organization. We have a Facebook page, um, but we also have a website. And it's well, official then. We have a Facebook page. It's official. <laughs> um, I'm saying, you know. <laughs> and uh, then um, our website is remembering626.org. So um, okay. and there's lots of ways to get involved there. Um, and then we're hopeful to also have um, a polo match again this year. We'll be filling out our application with the Hickory Hall Polo Club. They're a great uh, charity organization here locally that puts on uh, polo matches, which a lot of people um, don't know a lot about, but they partner with local charities and they kind of put on a good show and, and we add to it and um, it's a great opportunity for us to raise the money there too. Um, and we're hoping to branch out eventually into some, some other type things and um, beyond the law enforcement world. Um, we'd like to, you know, have some car shows or maybe even some racing events. Um, oh yeah. We actually um, were a marketing sponsor for Who's Your No Prep this year. And um, just to get our name out there to um, kind of a clientele that's not necessarily law enforcement based. Definitely. And we'll, yeah. be, we'll, be, we'll be going out to some of their events just to put some cornhole boards out and talk to people about what we do and yeah, uh, definitely. people. And yeah. For those of you that don't know, a polo match is, you, you know, it's you know, people see the brand polo and it's got the guy on the horse with the hammer. Uh, it's a sport. <laughs> you know, people ride horses and hit these croquet balls with these wooden hammers and they, they do it in uh, you know certain areas, I suppose. But in, in Zionsville, they host them. <laughs> so for those of you Zionsvilleites out there, that's uh, you know, one of your favorite sports. Um <laughs> it's it's yeah. so fun it really it is, is. fun to watch and, it, and it's and it, it's the, i mean it is hardcore um oh, yeah. horses work hard and those people and it's just it's people gather and get tailgate spots and just it's a great family event it's something jake um, would love definitely yes yes i wanted to track back to you had said in March, how the weather can be interesting. Um, I'll never forget. Ken Conley told me the last thing that, that he said to Jake and Jake said to him before everything happened, he was on, Jake was on a traffic stop and it was beautiful that day. It was like, you know, sunny and 70, like, Mm -hmm. glorious day and and that's rare in march in indiana and ken pulled up next to him and said hey do you need anything jake and jake said it's you know beautiful out and sunny what more do i need you know mm -hmm. and it was uh 
I thought of that as we were sitting here talking and thinking like that was his attitude. Like that was who he was like right there. That was it. He was so appreciative of everything mm-hmm. that, you know, nothing, nothing could bother him. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what have you grown to, what have you learned to appreciate out of this whole experience? I would say, um, but I have learned to not sweat the small stuff, um, you know, and that's ironic coming from someone who suffers from uh, generalized anxiety <laughs> because. <laughs> Some people close to me would argue that I still sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but um, I mean, it just losing him and losing him suddenly, um, it just puts so many things into perspective. Like tomorrow's not promised, tonight's not promised. Um, and to try to um, really you know, appreciate the present, appreciate who's in your life. Um, I've become more direct and um, try to communicate better because you may not have tomorrow to talk to that person or to say that. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people take for granted. And, um, you know, even when I think about things Jake and I were worrying about the night before, um, and we were worrying about, I was supposed to have a sinus surgery and we had a kid in a wheelchair and how, and the daycare couldn't handle the wheelchair. And it was like, so what are we going to do? And, um, but things like that, they'll work themselves out you'll find a way, you'll figure it out, um, appreciate who's in your life and um, say, I'm sorry when you need to say, I'm sorry, own your shit when you need to own your shit, tell people that you love them yeah. if you do, um, because you don't, you don't know. Um, and honestly, I, w- I, I was rem- reminded of that again this year. I, uh, or in the last year, I lost my mom in April and suddenly from a heart attack. Um, so uh, another death that I didn't expect. Um, and, and the one thing that I can say is what I learned about that speaking directly, telling people how you feel about them and trying to work through things and, and, just being as authentic and living as wholeheartedly as you can. Um, When I lost my mom, I was able to realize that our relationship had been better than it had been in a long time. And it was because of what I learned after losing Jake Um, and that I started to live that way more. Um, so, you know, um, 
I mean, I can say that I'm still not great at it all the time. Like I'm, I, I should text people more. I should reach out more. I should do things. And, um, but that's really what I try to think of is, is enjoying what you have and not worrying about the future, the past. And yeah. Do you, do you feel like this might be, a, I don't know, maybe an, an off color question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, do you feel like people tiptoe around you or like walk on eggshells kind of? Yes, I do. Is that, I, uh, no, go ahead. No, I, I do. Um, and I understand. Um, I, you know, I think it's, like I said, society, the American society, we have a hard time with grief, um, and we're not really sure how to handle it. And some people are very willing to just jump in to the mess and get messy too. And, um, I've been lucky and had some people in my life like that, that have been able to just jump into the mess. Um, not, not knowing what they were doing. You don't have to know what you're doing. Um, but then others don't know. Um, and and that makes them uncomfortable and they kind of shy away from it. Um, and I understand that, you know, I, every, there's lots of things that make people feel uncomfortable. And, um, but I do feel like sometimes people want to be on eggshells or tiptoe around me or worry that they might, um, I don't know, say the wrong thing or, or bring him up and, you know, ruin my day or something. But the reality yeah. is, is I, is I think about him every day. Um, yeah. It's I, not I taboo about, to you. Yeah. I talk about him every day. I think about him every day. Um, it's no shock to me that he's dead. Like he's in my mind. Like, yeah. I, I mean, you, you can't say the wrong thing. And, and if it is something that makes me cry, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, gosh, I can't believe I said that. Cause he used to say that all the time and it drove me nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's here. He's listening to this conversation, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made me say that right then. Yeah. <laughs> he made me say that. <laughs> he, he, he had to get his two cents in. He's yep. like, it is what it is, Jen. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm a person that is sarcastic and, um, I, use humor to get through situations um i can sometimes really shock people with what i call my widow humor um (laughs) because that's that's how i get through it sometimes um the same thing with with gallows humor you know it's the same thing yeah i mean there there's no reason to tiptoe around it um i've got a close group of people that uh (laughs) we like to uh when random things or if we're having feelings we don't want to have feelings we'll just and yep. <laughs> uh like we just blame it on him and uh, and i know to a lot of people they're like whoa that's crazy but again that's my yeah. fantastic widow humor that just gets me through things um just like we talked about march like 
Um, I remember one of my first committee meetings, uh, I, I said something like, um, we were talking about whether we could do something due to the weather. And I was like, I know it was just so rude of Jake to die in March. Like he really could have picked a better <laughs> month. And there were, <laughs> there were a couple of people on the committee that didn't know me very well. And they just looked mm. at me and I was like, Oh, I do this. And I was like, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> and I was it. like, I was like, I was like, Jake's laughing too. I mean, it's totally fine. He'd be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well welcome to my world this is this is what i live in. yeah I, yeah i was like that's just my widow humor you know if, if you just got to keep laughing so we all deal with it differently <laughs> i mean it's yeah you know you i remembered I, I came across this video on tiktok of all places um i follow this pastor on there and he was talking about grief and he had said he had seen something at the grocery store that day that made him think of it. And he said it was some guy walking out of the, the store with a, a jug of milk that he just bought and it was just pouring out the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, there wasn't really much he could do to help. You know, he, he, this guy had his card or whatever. And, and he said to the guy, he's like, Hey, you know, can I help you? Can I put your card away? Something. And, and the guy was like, no, no, it's fine. I, I got it. And, you know, thanks anyways. And he'd mentioned, he was like, I, the, the first thing I thought of was, was that that was a lot like grief and people grieving. He's like, you can, you know, you can see someone that's grieving and, and offer to help and sort of put yourself with them. But even though you're not able to help, just the fact that someone is offering to help can, can help them in their grief. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting way to put it. Yeah, this guy's got this jug of milk that's just pouring milk out, and he's like, "You can't really help me, but thanks." You know, one of those things. Right. Not not trying to compare Jake to a jug of milk, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) that one was for you, buddy. (laughs) You know, but that's interesting that you say that, and I think a good point to make is um, the best thing you can do for someone who's grieving is is to be there with them. Um, you know, so many people offered to help me and a lot of times I didn't know what I needed. Um, I had no idea what I needed. Um, so to even be able to, to know what I needed, let alone then have the strength to ask for help, which, um, I'm pretty stubborn as well. Um, um, but you know, when I think about that first year, there, you know, there's a handful of names that come to mind of people who just, they just showed up. I didn't ask them to be there. I didn't say I needed this. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. They just were there. And um, from watching my kids for a few days to um, duplicating my house key and taking care of my dogs at home, um, to just helping me with everyday stuff. Um, and did you, did you cook a meal for a year? Like I I know the (laughs) the meal tree or the meal train (laughs) had to have been just massively long. Like, yeah, it was almost a year. It was almost a year. Um, That's incredible though, that people are willing to do that. Yes, yes, yes. It was incredible. 
Um, it really was. And it was much appreciated. No, I did not cook a meal for a year. And, um, <laughs> and it was wonderful. Um, so if you want to set up another one, folks, <laughs> what <are we> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you the, the two that set up my meal train were amazing. Um, because they actually set it up with, um, a drop point. And so it went to a friend of mine's house. That's where the community would drop it in a cooler. And then she was the one that brought it to me every day. That's so nice. that kind of took away, that took away, um, you know, I, I, and, and don't get me wrong. This is not me trying to sound ungrateful or anything, but there were a lot of days that I didn't want to talk to people or say how I'm doing oh, yeah. or, you know, and I'm sure people would want it to do that and that type of thing. I had a cooler outside of my house. She, and she even told me, she was like, you don't even have to talk to me. I'm going to just throw it in your cooler. <laughs> she was like, and it's going to be here between this time and this time. And it's cooked, ready to go. And you're good to go. And the times that she had practices or, or things like that, she'd have a lo local officer go over and get it and bring it over yeah. to me. And, and that was the best thing ever because, you know, I had more hard days than I had good days. And it yeah. was just, you know, um, I know when I have talked to other widows, they have said that's been the hardest part is um, when you, you know, when, and, and like I said, everything is always with good intentions. Um, but you don't always want to have those conversations of, oh, we're doing fine. And, you know, we're, right. we're taking it day by day and things like that. And that they did a great job of, I would have never thought about that. Um, and, and actually that's something that I've taken to heart that if we ever set up a meal train through J pro, that's how I would set it up. I would pick yeah. a couple point people and say, you know, so that, so that people don't have to worry about that. Yeah. That's a good idea to, really to set it up that way. Cause you know, like, like you said, you'd have to, you turn into that SpongeBob meme where he pulls out old reliable, you know, and it's like, you know, every time somebody's like, Hey, how are you? You pull out old reliable doing fine. Thanks. Like, you know, or, or what do you say? You know, like you can only say it so many times. So it's like, here you go. Just have, you know, live in the dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh. You know, I'll never forget how long the procession was. Oh or, my God. It, it was just like, mind-blowing and <laughs> you know what what was it five and a half miles of cars yeah is what i was told something around like five and a half like not, that's not how long it drove that's how long the vehicles were like yes yeah that tells you how many people showed up to this funeral like yes i and, was and and i believe the 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 actual path we took, I think it was close to fifty miles. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, uh, because I remember um Jake's good friend was in the uh limo with me and we both just looked at each other and we were like, Jake would be so pissed that we are having a fifty mile yeah. long procession. Like he would hate this. Like he yep. is hating right now. <laughs> Hi, Jay Shelley. I know you're listening, buddy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I we were. Uh, I was in a an old car um, for my department, and like I was 
worried that I was going to run out of gas and like, cause I mean, it was two and a half hours long. Like yeah. by the time we were done and you know, by the time we got into Lebanon and that was finally when they did his last call and everything. Um, that was when I started getting really emotional. Cause it was like, I didn't get to hear it over my radio. Cause our radios didn't, didn't log on to that. Um, mm-hmm. I had to listen to it through Facebook. Um, but it was, uh, absolutely incredible to see all of those communities, you know, going back to the procession, like that I witnessed in Kokomo for, for Carl. Mm -hmm. And then to see Jake's, it was like just mind blowing to see the amount of people that would come out and just stand at the side of the road to see five and a half miles of cars drive by them. Like it's insane. So, you know, for those of us that, that might think that, law enforcement is not supported or, or whatever, you know, especially with last year and, and this year, even we're constantly trying, you know, people are constantly reminding us that, Hey, we hate you. Just let you know, we hate you. Um, when I see <laughs> stuff like that, it, it, to me, it's like, it's not that many people. There are a small amount of people that actually don't like law enforcement and you know, that the wish us dead and gone but I do believe that the majority of people support law enforcement. And that's, that's proof to it. If you ask me, because even I saw people that I'd arrested standing on the side of the road, watching Jake. Go by. So it was like, <laughs> you know what, if they'll do it, you know, it's right. I know one of the, the part that was really shocking to me from the procession, because, you know, we had the funeral at connection point in Brownsburg and um and because brownsburg was jake's hometown and he graduated from brownsburg high school and i taught in brownsburg we added brownsburg as part of the procession uh and what was amazing to me and i i never i never expected as we drove through those brownsburg schools there were signs up we love you, Mrs. Pickett. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, you know, our hearts are with you, Mrs. Pickett. And they actually delayed dismissal to bring all of the kids out from every single school to stand out there. And I mean, just, I never expected that. Like I, this whole, everything had been about Jake And as we were driving through Brownsburg, when we drove past those Brownsburg schools, they were there for me. And um, it was just, it was phenomenal. Um, It was phenomenal the way the school system supported me um, through all of that. And that just really put it into perspective, seeing them out there as I drove past my school and, you know, saw in the fence, you know, as they put messages in the fence, we love Mrs. Pickett. And mm-hmm. it was just incredible. Yeah. It was fun to see all the little kids out there and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget it. It was just one of those, one of those moments where it was, that'll be in my mind forever. Mm-hmm. Now that court's done, mm-hmm. did that, was that a big sort of closing the chapter for you? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, it was, that was a big part of it. Um, and it's, 
it's taken a huge weight off of my shoulders. So um, there were three state cases and one federal case. Um, so four different people involved um, and charged with different things for Jake's murder. And um, so I attended the first hearing uh, or the first um, plea and sentencing hearing and um, read my victim statement directly to the shooter. And I needed to do that. Um, yeah. I, I needed to, I needed to say he, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't deserve my words. Um, and I wasn't sure. And I, I wasn't sure if he would even receive them, but I needed to say them. And I needed, I needed to say that I was taking control of my life again. Um, and, and so I did that. And, um, and then, um, I, d I don't think I did a statement for the federal case, um, but my brother did. And then um, for the other two state ones with this last one just wrapping up in January, um, I submitted statements, um, but I didn't, I didn't go. Um, I just, it was healthier for me to not go. Um, and so I had a, either my dad or my brother would read it for me. Um, but just knowing that it was over and done with and a, a big part of those cases for me, um, were, <clears throat> I, I was not interested in the death penalty. Um, I don't believe in taking a life. I, you know, he shouldn't have taken Jake's life and I, it's not right for me to take your life. Yeah. Um, and, but the, I think an even bigger motivator for me was I know what those cases look like and it is 20 to 30, you know, people think, and, and even now, uh, when you watch, the news and, and things like that. People think justice is instant and it's not. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jake's case was a cut and dry case and it took what all, three years to, to get wrap up. Yeah. Um, and I have, I have other friends who have lost their husbands and their cases haven't even started and their husbands were killed before Jake. Um, wow. so, th so there's this misconception that justice is instant. And um, so, but you know, I, I know death penalty cases and um, they stretch for 20 to 30 years and there's appeals and there's appeals and there's appeals mm -hmm. and there's appeals. And um, I didn't want that for our family. Um, I am 36 years old and I didn't want my sons in their 30s having to show up at appeal hearings and things like that, um, I didn't want it. Um, and another big part that was important to me was um, the law about, um, I may not say this right, um, but the body cam footage, um, now that we're in an age with digital media, um, there's not necessarily an exact law that seals that. Um, right. 
And so if it would have gone to trial, um, his body cam footage would have been made public. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, my boys have always been my um, main focus. And I don't need them in middle school having a friend look up their dad's body cam footage on YouTube. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know, I know that they were going to try and make sure that all that would be sealed if it did end up going to trial. But luckily um, we were able to get plea deals that, that we were all very happy with um, and no paroles and things like yeah. that. And, you know, um, so it's been a weight off my shoulders. And, um, and I, and through it all, I protected my family the best that I could. And I, I feel I did what Jake would have wanted me to do as yeah. far as protecting the family. You know, it's always difficult. I, one of my new year's resolutions was to not look at comments, um, Ooh. on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> it's very difficult to, um, but you know, one of the first comments is always, Oh, they should get the death penalty and, you know, Hang, hang them on the courthouse square and all that stuff. And it's like, it's like, look, just, you know, people don't understand, like you said, people don't understand the process and you know, what actually happens behind the scenes. They just see the beginning and, and what they think is the end. And it's like, you know, people don't realize how long, you know, that goes and it's how much, you know, you have to relive that trauma again and again and again. And it's just, it's not worth it. You know, mm-hmm. so if if they can get life without parole, fine. They made that bed; they can lay in it, and they will never see a day outside of prison. Exactly. You know. Exactly. It's uh, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to them being dead, but it's you know, <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> for me, I guess. Um, it, it was all it was always odd to me in this situation because it it seems like the ones that I've read about the, you know, the line of duty deaths and everything. It's, it's never, it's, I'm never able to relate to it. Um, and because I could relate to Jake, obviously, cause I knew him, but I could also relate to the other half because I'd arrested them mm-hmm. several times. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like, I knew them and mm-hmm. it, it made it more concrete and more tangible to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody that I've talked to that were on the scene that day and everything, you know, about their regrets of, you know, I should have gone left instead of going right or, you know, this and that. Um, I, I even have my regrets of of that event because myself and uh, an, a Lebanon officer, um, we had an opportunity and and to, to do something to one of the people and we didn't. And to me, it was like, I had a little bit of guilt because, you know, he survived and, and then that happened. So it was like, I carried that, you know, and it was like, it's like, I, I was almost like making it about me. And it was like, you know, it, it maybe it was just something that I was going through when it happened, just, mm-hmm. you know, because it happened. And it was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I can't take away from, from what's going on or, or, you know, try and blame myself uh, for this happening. Cause I, you know, I had nothing to do with it, but it's just, you know, those thought processes that you go through mm-hmm. uh, when something like this happens, it was, it was odd for me to think that way. I was like, like what, wait, I, I can't put myself in that position. I had nothing to do with it, but 
it was always so strange to me that I knew every single party that was involved aside from one. Um, I knew all the parties involved. So it was Mm -hmm. just strange, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jake was a, he was a hell of a guy. Uh, He's, (laughs) I you know I think I think of him often, especially every time I like I said before, every time I throw on some Dr. Dre or something, I'm like, <laughs> like this is this is him. This is uh, and it's you know, the one that always makes me think the most is, uh, oh man, there's a song with uh, Snoop Dogg, and he was like, he's like, man, I bet you don't know this verse, and he fast forwards to the verse, and I had I knew every single verse, every single word in the verse. He's like. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, we just went on from there. That was just him. He always cracked me up with that. Yeah. Well, I'm that way with uh, California Love. Oh, um, yeah. He knew every word to he it. Did. He knew karaoke to it all the time. Um, and I remember I was at um, a local gym that was doing a Warrior Wad in honor of him. And, um, like halfway through the workout, California love just starts blasting out. Yep. And I was like, all right, Jake. Yep. And I was like, all right, I know you're here with us. Yep, you definitely. Know? And, but I got a little emotional there for a moment. And I was like, you know, aside from the not being able to breathe from CrossFit, because that's what happens. Yep. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'll hear songs like that. And I'm just like, okay, I hear you. Um, there's always going to be little moments like that where he's just going to be seeping into everybody, everybody that he touched, he's going to seep into their life just a little bit every once in a while. I, I believe that. <laughs> right. Right. I um, agree. well, I, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and doing this. I know we've kind of jumped around here. Um, I suppose that's that's how it goes. I uh, I'm, I'm I'm eternally grateful to you uh, coming on and sharing your story, and um, hopefully somebody can get something from this. Um, somebody that's going through the situation, you know, trying to understand things a little bit better. Um, and I I wanted to do something to to honor him and you and and every, and I was like, what better way would be would it be than to just talk to the source mm-hmm. and uh so thank you for for coming on here and doing that thank <clears> you <throat> i appreciate you having me on and listening to my story and um letting me share about tears of the phoenix and uh j pro and um not tiptoeing around me and asking. <laughs> you know, like like I said, I you know I, I I try to be respectful, but it's like you know you like you said, you're one of the bros. So yeah, you know. yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I I typically try and give people a couple minutes here to if they have one thing that they want people to know, or you know, is there anything that you want to leave with with everybody? Um, you know, we'll, we'll drop all your contact information here at the very end, but, you know, mm-hmm. aside from that, what's one thing that, uh, that you want to say to everybody, whether it's about Jake or you or law enforcement or, or whatever, you, you've got the, you've got the floor here. Mm, putting me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess 
I would say if you're going through this, if you're grieving, you are here for a reason. You're still here for a reason. And you have to remember that. Um, you know, there's hard days. There's more hard days than there are good days. Um, at least there are for me now, uh, right now. But um, you have to remember you're still here for a reason. And then if if you're not grieving or if, if you know someone that is grieving, um, know that it's okay. It's okay to say their name. It's okay to be with that person and just, it's okay to not know what to do. It, it's, it's about showing up, you know, it's, it's beyond just the offer of help. It's, you know, will you sit with them? Will you sit next to them? Will you, will you sit in the trenches with them? Um, because that's, that's really powerful. And, um, and a lot of times we have no idea what we need. Um, so, and, Yeah. That's all I got. Good enough. <laughs> um, where, where can people find your information, information about the, uh, you know, Jake Pickett response organization? Where can people find all of that? So um, you can go to remembering 626.org to find out more about the Jacob Pickett response organization. Um, we have a link to our Facebook page there too. If you're on Facebook, you can just, um, search for the Jacob Pickett response organization and you'll find our Facebook page there. Um, and then as far as, um, my blog, tears of the Phoenix, um, that is just tears of the where you can subscribe. Um, I already did. You already did. I know. I got I got the confirmation email that you subscribed. <laughs> so, um, and you know, on our Facebook page, we have contact information through for J Pro and and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely um, check out the the blog if you are interested in some. Just we've already talked about it before. Some raw, open wounded stuff. Um, check out tears of the phoenix.com it's it'll be worth it trust me well thank you i appreciate that um all right well um thank you i thank I, you. I can't say it enough seriously it's <laughs> uh you know we we talk about I, I i talk about mental health and stuff quite a bit on here and um you know i started making these stupid little videos on tiktok that are just like it's a, a you know, a video, it's kind of artsy almost. It's like a video of a rear view mirror driving and stuff. And I'll just do a voiceover over it. And it's mm -hmm. like medication to me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like therapy and, and having these kind of discussions talking about stuff. It's like therapy to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've never, I've never had this chance to sit down and talk with you about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, not that we were great friends before, I think we met two or three times before right. uh, Jake was killed and, you know, we've talked more after, yeah. um, but I've never had this chance to, to sit down and do it. I wish we could have done it in person, but you know, this, this works uh, the best for now, but uh, 
that, you know, this was therapeutic to me and I, I hope it was to you, um, it to was. have this, to have this out here. And, uh, um, you know, if, if people want to reach out to, to Jen, um, you know, check out the, obviously check out the tears of the Phoenix.com. Um, if you want to reach out, you, they can donate to J pro right on the website. Yes. They okay. can do that directly if you're wanting on the to website. do that. Okay, great. Um, we can do that. And, uh, you know, so we have moved the event to June 26th and that'll be at the same place it has been before the fairgrounds. Yes. It should be at the Boone County fairgrounds. Okay. Boone County fairgrounds in Lebanon, Indiana. If you're in the area or whatever, show up. We'd love to yes. have you. Yes. We have some new things planned this year. So, oh. um, so get excited about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. And that's it. Um, thanks for, for sticking around. I know this is probably a, a pretty long interview for, for some of you. Um, but it was important for me to get this on here. And I know it was important for Jen as well. Um, like we just said at the end, it, it was therapeutic. And it was as I sat here and edited it and listened to it and you know, cut out some of the ums and the, the, the blank silence. It's, it's sort of difficult. It was, it was hard for me to formulate questions because like I had suggested in there, I didn't want to be rude, but you know, Jen's one of the bros. She's uh she's one of us and she always will be. Um, so I encourage you to, to check out her stuff, uh, the tears of the Phoenix.com and, uh, if you can find it in your heart to donate to JPro, um, that would be awesome as well. Um, so a big thank you to to Jen for coming on, and uh, a big shout out to you, Jake. Um, we miss you. We love you. Um, I, I, I've said this before. You were what people should be, and and I'm I'm proud to call you my friend. Uh, I love you, Jake. This one's for you, buddy. <laughs>